You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, here we go with another episode of Getting Swamped. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist. And on this episode, we'll discuss a little thing called recruiting in the transfer portal. We'll discuss a little bit of NIL in this episode, too, followed up by a man who's a blazer. He's itching to show his strength there at speed on the field. That is a man who actually is his own wrecking service. <laughs> Lorenzo Lingard will join me for an exclusive interview. But first, let's get into the transfer portal business. I asked some of you folks on Twitter to give their opinion on what's been going on thus far in the transfer portal as we've already, well, we're about to hit that May 1st deadline where kids have to have their name in the portal to be eligible for the 2022 season. And Florida seemingly has uh, not really anything. No transfer portal business going on at all. But we'll see, I guess, what Billy Napier and the staff does when these kids enter their names in the transfer portal to possibly shore up some of these depth issues that we have here. But I took to Twitter and I asked some of the fans of the podcast, and if you haven't followed the podcast page, you can follow it, at Swamp Podcast on Twitter. I asked them, to give me their feelings so far with the the miss on Daryl Jackson to, to go into Miami and their other opinions so far at the end of April. And I know it's early, but if you go on message boards and social media apps, you get kind of a mixed bag of opinions. So it's going to be a little bit more interactive with you folks just to gauge where everyone's thought process was. And then I'll give you my answer and my opinions there towards the end. So we're going to go a little interactive with everyone on this half of the podcast. And I could only take a select few opinions on there and some of the comments were kind of the same so I kind of just chose the best of the same comments and uh, I got a lot of feedback man so I'll start with I'm actually going to go with the first comment here on Twitter from Lawrence Cheshire and if I say your name wrong you can tag me in a post and say hey you dope this is how you pronounce my last name and then you can tell me how to say it but for right now I'm going to say Lawrence Cheshire and I hope I got that name right but this is from Lawrence Cheshire I'm not worried about staff or recruiting I'm worried about the state of college football. I'm wondering if we'll be able to compete in the NIL world with big city teams like Miami, USC, Texas, and Texas A&M, etc. Most kids will go where the money is regardless of how well we recruit. Other squads are playing dirty and that's never been our style. I have trouble believing that will change even though it's technically legal now. UF needs to throw the morals out the window if we plan on competing. Administration needs to let go and let Billy handle his business. First off, I do want to say that NIL, it's new to everybody. Teams are starting to figure out other tactics, ways around things to get kids to go to their school. Let me give you an example of what Travis Hunter at the last minute got offered that money by Deion Sanders on uh, a national signing day. Then he goes and signs with Jackson State instead of Florida State. And, and Travis Hunter was a longtime commit, the number one kid in the class on Florida State. That was a great thing for us to see, but think about it. Put yourself in Florida State's shoes there. You're pretty upset losing the number one player in the class at the last second because of an NIL deal. I mean, it's happened to us. We've been burned by Miami. Citizen was one of them. Same thing with Daryl Jackson. They offered him bonus money to not visit Florida and commit to Miami. So we've been burned a couple times on it too. But I don't think for one second Florida's just sitting in the back burner and, and not trying to figure these things out. I mean, it's all new to everybody. But I will say this. It's nothing we weren't aware of before NIL. Kids were getting paid regardless. Now it's just out there. I think Florida's still trying to figure it out, though. And right now, I'm not worried this early in the process, but I do agree and do ponder that in the long run, if Florida will be able to compete or not. I mean, time will only tell in the years to come, to be honest. But, Lawrence, great comment there. Uh, but I think we just need to see where things play out before jumping the gun on thinking that, you know, it's not going to work out for Florida, at least right now. Not saying that it could get bad. Maybe it might even get better. Just right now, I think it's too soon to worry about things like that until we see what all unfolds, especially in the couple of years to come. But good good comment there. Uh, thank you for sending that in there, Lawrence. All right. This one's from Bravo Dave. I like that. I like that. Are you telling me Bravo? Or is that, okay, that's your name, Bravo Dave. <laughs> there are some concerns emerging from this staff. No clear-cut quarterback and a big whiff at a position of need. The staff needs to figure out a way to create momentum on the trail besides emojis and slogans. Well, as, as far as quarterback goes, I can give the staff a little bit of credit on that. Napier didn't really have much time to work with in this past recruiting class. Tried to keep Evers here, didn't work out, so he got what he could. He got what was left in the recruiting class and wound up getting Max Brown. Not a highly regarded quarterback in the 2022 class, but pretty decent stats in his time at Lincoln Christian, but 
obviously a quarterback that's ranked 1500 in the nation. You really want to get a quarterback at a highly regarded university at a way higher ranking than that. But he had what he had to work with. And getting in Jack Miller from Ohio State, who's going to need some work, I mean, he's serviceable right now from what I've seen in the spring game. But only time will tell, man. He doesn't have a lot of experience at quarterback. Only played 53 snaps at Ohio State, as I said last week. And me and Goldcamp even talked about it last week, too. We need to get a transfer quarterback that has experience and can run the offense just in case something happens. You remember when... I guess Felipe Franks was struggling back in 2017, and we were getting a lot of penalties and all that, and it took Luke Del Rio to come in there in the Kentucky game to command that offense, get that offense rolling, bring, you know, get it down the field to where they could actually win the game. So I get what you're saying there, but we, we do need a quarterback that can at least manage this offense and, and play at an, an average to a little bit of an above-average level, at least to just get the the receivers and the tight ends and all the other skill players with the running backs that we got down the field. So I do kind of agree with what Goldcamp said there about getting an established quarterback, uh, you know, because you never know what happens to Richardson right now. I mean, if, if he gets hurt, you know, who do we got? I mean, we have Jack Miller, but from what I saw in the spring game, eh, I don't know. Maybe he gets better by the start of the season. I highly doubt that with any college experience, but hopefully, man, we can we can blow some teams out and get them some experience and keep Richardson healthy. But we'll see. So, I mean, I kind of agree with you there, as I said. And yeah, I do think the emojis are a bit premature, but look, what if July rolls around in August and we're sitting here with a few five stars and some top 100 and top 150 guys sitting in our class because he tweeted the emoji three months before they wanted to commit? Because, you know, you got that July 23rd date and a lot of these kids committing in May, June, and all that. So... We'll see what happens there, but we won't care about those emojis then. But uh, thanks for sending that comment in there, Bravo Dave. Love the name, by the way. This one's from Gator Cade. I think we should remain patient. All the big name targets are still out there. For the most part, I feel we're in good positions to land them. It's very early in the class. I think we need to be worried when we start seeing these five stars that are crystal balled go elsewhere. That is 100% correct. I totally agree with that, Gator Cade. Thank you for sending in the comment. This one's from C7Vet Dude. I guess you drive a Corvette there. Everything I've heard read up to this point has been an upgrade compared to the last regime. I feel as though it is way too early to formulate a valued opinion one way or the other. I'm in the wait and see camp for now. Won't get too high or too low this year. Goes back to kind of what Gator Cade was saying. I totally agree with that. Everybody wait and be patient. All right, this one is from Big Cheddar. You guys with these usernames, y'all are cracking me up here. Florida fans need to chill and let Napier work. Goes back to the last two comments. Completely 100% correct. Jamal Bailey says, way too early for all the panic. Coach came in to transform the program, and that was never going to happen in six months, which it wasn't. There was a lot of variables now that we've never seen before. Collectives, instant eligibility, etc. Let it play out. Go Gators. This one's from Brent. It's too early to get worked up. Besides, I would rather the staff focus on developing relationships with high school players and coaches instead of prioritizing transfers. Got to think about the long game. And and, and I'll go back to that. Uh, the transfers right now are important just because of depth. Uh, so I think the prioritizing of transfers right now is something that needs to be prioritized just based on that May 1st deadline for the kids to enter their name into the portal and then analyzing which kids you want that are eligible for this year that are still left on the board for the 2022 season. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with more of the high school guys and, and they've been out. They've been out this week. A lot of Jamar Chaney, a lot of those guys, Coach Chaos, uh, Corey Raymond, all those guys have been visiting highly ranked five-star, four-star prospects. So they have been prioritizing high school kids, and they'll continue to do so all year. So I'm not really too worried about high school at all. And as I've said, there's still plenty of time. But thank you for sending that in, Brett. This one is from Wes. Not going to lie here, I'm a little worried. Not in full-blown panic mode, but I'm worried. Well, I get that. A little bit of PTSD from the past coaches, but you know, a little worried is okay as long as you're not in full-blown panic mode, like you said. So I'll accept that. Uh, just got to, you know, it's early. Just got to wait and see. Wait and see. Be patient. And I, and I know that's hard to do because of the last two head coaches, and it's been years and years and years before we've had elite recruiting classes. So I get where you're coming from. This one's from Nick Goldsmith. We have some young talent on the roster. If this coaching staff is as advertised, they will get them game ready, and the backups will also be ready. 
it's like we're looking out there for immediate starters when we have good guys already in the system. Yeah, I mean, we do. I, I will say this. I think the, the concern comes from the kids being young and not having experience. I don't think it's the concern of saying these kids aren't good. I mean, I just sat here and I watched the spring game, and I watched Jordan Young fly all over the field. He looked like a, a veteran safety or wherever he was playing DB on the field. He was just making tackles like crazy, and he was recruited the year before. So it's not like that we don't have playmakers on the defense or the offense. It's more of you know experience and Will they make a mistake come game time? Because they, you know, they, they they haven't had really that much college experience. So I think that's where the worry sets in for that. I mean, all you have to do is go back to the Mullen regime. How many times did we actually blow a team out or or get way ahead of a team to where we could put in second string players? Didn't happen a lot. But there's no telling. I mean, you see these kids come out of high school, whether they're highly regarded or not, and they make an instant impact. Some of them take time. Some of them take a year or two. But like. You really get the instant impact guys from those top 50 to top number one in the nation. Those are your instant impact guys that come in from high school, or at least that's what the scouts believe. Now, you have guys like a Kadarius Tony who could just shift all over the field and make people break ankles, and he was a highly, not even really a highly regarded recruit. He was a three-star. So you might have some of those guys out there, but you really, it is concerning when you don't have experienced talent out there, and I think that's what a lot of people are worrying about. But thank you for sending that in there, Nick. This one's from CV. They will still try to grab a transfer defensive tackle, PSU and UT possibly. I, I know who you're talking about, the Penn State transfer and that other guy. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Penn State transfer, four-star guy, highly regarded. He's in the portal right now. I'm in the minority, but I'm not that concerned with the position. They haven't shown much. Transfers haven't either, but I like the potential of a few guys. Lee, Thomas, Humphreys, and true freshman McClellan and Lions. I mean... I agree there, but I think the reason why the staff's going into the portal to try to get a defensive tackle is because they've seen something in practice they either like or they don't like, and maybe these guys need a, a little bit more time to get acclimated with the new system. I mean, I don't know. I can't make a reason for the staff of why they would want to get a defensive tackle out of the portal, but it couldn't hurt, man, right? If you can get a good elite defensive tackle and put him in there and, and he can play immediately, you take him. You take him. Get him off the board. So... As I said, we only get to see 15 minutes of their practice, and we only get to see one spring game, so maybe they're seeing something that we don't see. So that's probably why they're going after that position, but I totally agree with you. I mean, I like the potential that Lee Thomas, Humphreys, McClellan, and Lyons do have, so we'll just have to see what happens at that position, if they even go after another defensive tackle in the portal. But thank you for sending in that comment, CV. All right, Christopher Dyer, one of my longest tenured listeners, he's been listening to me ever since I got on the beat here. He says, patience is a virtue and Rome wasn't built in the day. Next, 100% agree. I have no other comment. <laughs> Scott Adams, leave it to the coaches. Toxic fan base. Well, I, I can't say the whole fan base is toxic. You're going to get toxic people in any fan base. So it's, it, it's not just Florida Gator fans that will say things and all that. It's every fan base. Come on, man. I live in Georgia. I have to be around these guys 24-7 when they lose, and they hardly ever lose right now, especially with Kirby Smart. But one loss, man, they jump down his throat. They start cussing out players, saying they're worthless, and it's just, yeah. Uh, uh, there's way more toxic fan bases than Florida. Uh, I, I will say that. But, you know, I get what you're saying there. Uh, just leave the toxic people out, man. Just I, I, I usually just mute them. That way I don't have to hear them anymore. Uh, Ted Small, there's nothing to truly evaluate until the first recruiting cycle is complete. Yes, I totally agree. There's too much time in this recruiting class for us to be worried. This one is from Ryan at Gatorbait Gang. It's not the greatest, but our fan base is just excited and blowing it out of proportion. Some complain when we landed a three-star commit. Now they complain when we don't get one. <laughs> the guy wasn't even wildly productive at Maryland. That kind of made me chuckle, Ryan. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean... If you go and look at his stats, I'm pulling up his PFF numbers right here. He's only had 225 total snaps, and he's averaged around 20 or so snaps per game. He's played in, a looks like, 13, 12 or 13 games here. So he really hasn't had that much experience. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be good, but it really wasn't one of those elite hits, the, the, the one of the ones that just is a crushing blow if the other team gets it. But it was at a position of need, and I think the principle of the thing is what upset Gator fans the most. Is I mean, you still wanted this guy. And Miami was able to come in and swoop in and get him at the last minute. So I think that's where the worry's at. 
I don't really think it's much of a worry that the fact that we just didn't land the guy. I mean, uh, Cole Brevard was the Penn State guy that I was looking at in the portal that I just remembered his name that was mentioned earlier by uh, one of the other commenters. That's another player. He's a four-star guy. He's in the portal, but he has no college experience whatsoever. He only played one snap in his career over at Penn State. So I'm thinking they're looking for a big-bodied guy with college experience. And I'm not a, I'm not a portal expert, though. I mean, there's maybe over 100 defensive line guys right now in the portal. If you go look at 24-7 sports, they literally update it every single day. And there's at least seven to eight guys at different positions going in there all at one time. So I, we'll just have to see what the staff does in the portal and, and where they get these guys that came in before May the 1st. And if, if they even get one of those guys, who knows? But piggybacking off that Daryl Jackson situation, I think people just got too up in arms about not landing Daryl Jackson. And as I said, it, I mean, it was a blow just based on the principle, but I, it's still nothing to really be concerned about. But thank you for sending that comment in. This one is from Gator Chomped. Win some, lose some. Too early to be so worked up about it. 100% agree. And that's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> Andy Alabizo, and I'm enjoying some of my much-needed time at the beach this week, having time to reflect. My advice to everyone is to channel your anxiety and worry toward things that truly matter. People you love and love you. I can't take on the burden of recruiting angst. Control what you can control. Go Gators. Listen to that, man. That's a little of a, what do you think, a Jerry Springer final thought to the, <laughs> the end of this podcast? But there you go, Andy, with a little bit of therapy. For all of us Gator fans here in the comments section, <laughs> thank you for sending that in, Andy. Uh, Gage, Father Albert, members of this fan base that are upset because Miami overpaid for a three-star with 22 tackles in the Big Ten need to check themselves. There was no reason to try to match their offer. I, I, I kind of agree there. I mean, I think Florida would have matched the offer if he would have given Florida a call back. So he actually kind of screwed himself there <laughs> a little bit. He just went ahead and took Miami's bonus offer and said, all right, I'm committed to Miami. I'm not even visiting Florida. So if you want to look at it from that way, and if you're you're angry about getting burned by Daryl Jackson, well, he just got burned because he could have came back to Florida with an even better offer and probably even made more NIO money. So the joke's on him. There you go. I can't tell you where I got that from, but uh, it's been out there anyway. A lot of people already know out there on social media, but yeah, uh, Daryl Jackson, he he burned himself. So there's nothing else to worry about there here, folks, from uh, anybody in Florida Gator Nation. There's still plenty of guys out there, which leads me to my next comment here from Big Haiti. We definitely need one to two interior defensive line guys. Who else is out there to get? Well, there's a lot. There's about 50 to 60 defensive linemen, if not more, in the portal right now. So as I said, I'm not the portal expert, but let's just look at it. I mean, Florida is in this transfer portal, and, and Billy Napier said they have guys like Chase Clark, all those other guys that they specifically hire to watch the transfer portal. And I know a lot of you guys are going to say, well, why haven't they jumped on this guy? Why haven't they jumped on that guy? Yeah, I mean, they should, I, I, in my opinion, and, and I talked to Goldcamp about this a little bit, is I think they should have prioritized it a little bit more earlier than what they did. But, but you really don't know where the staff's mindset was at the time when they came in. Maybe they thought that they had something here. Maybe they saw a lot of practice and said, hey, man, we got some depth here. And then as practices started rolling on and then we got into the spring game, maybe, we're like, you know, you even heard Billy Napier saying his press conference, man, we, we need depth. We need good quality depth. So, Maybe it took them a while to see some of that when they first got to campus. Maybe they thought they had skilled playmakers or they, they probably had some and thought they had more than what they thought. And maybe they looked at it after they evaluated everything and said, man, these kids still need more time in the system. And that's probably what sparked it. Maybe that's why they kind of jumped on it late there. But you never really know what a thought process is from a coaching standpoint and how everything is going on behind the scenes. So as far as my final thoughts go of this whole situation and as far as it goes with recruiting, just that part, guys, it's only April. It'll be May when you listen to this podcast. Still plenty of time. And if you're worried about winning recruiting battles, just look at what Billy Napier did when he first got here in December. With less than a month to form a relationship with a kid, he brought in top 100 Chris McClellan, got him from Oklahoma. Five-star linebacker Shamar James, top 100 on other sites. He kept him in the class away from Alabama, who was trending Alabama after he decommitted from Florida when Dan Mullen left, still kept him into the class. Grabbing the first IMG CAD that we haven't had in a long time, Kamari Wilson, five-star safety, nabbing him from the University of Georgia. 
brings in Devin Moore from Notre Dame, keeping him away from, you know, his relationships with the coaching staff there. Getting in Trevor ETN from Clemson. Billy has shown he can compete with Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Clemson, some of the highly elite prolific schools on the trail, and he did that in less than a month. These were all top 150 or better prospects, and he did it in less than a month with his staff, not even in place. So for people out there worrying about recruiting, calm down. It's only May. The season hasn't even started yet. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, wait till the games get played, because I see teams that have horrible seasons and they still recruit in the top 10. So I won't say that. Games being played helps, but you got to put you got to put forth a recruiting effort. We saw that with Dan Mullen. You know, he won games his first three years and never even put forth any kind of recruiting efforts to get anybody in here. But I get what you guys are saying about the portal. I get it. I mean, losing Daryl Jackson stung based on the principle, like I said. That was the guy you wanted. But it, it definitely wasn't a Grenard or Van Jefferson kind of transfer. It wasn't the, one of those guys that, like, if you missed on, you were like, Oh my God, we just missed on this elite portal guy and oh, that stings and now Miami's going to get him. It wasn't one of those type guys. So for all the people worried about the portal guy going to Miami, not a big deal. Now, I know a lot of you recruit Knicks out there will say, well, you didn't mention where Billy Napier lost to Dravante Citizen. I kind of did a little bit, but we all know the story with that. I mentioned that earlier, you know, choosing Miami over Florida at the last second and Harold Perkins. Look, let's be honest. Harold Perkins was not coming to the University of Florida. He had interest. He had high interest, but usually the parents went out in those deals. I mean, they do. The parents usually went out 80% of the time in those deals. That was a miss, too. That kind of hurt there. That was an elite recruit that you wanted, but you still got Shamar James at the same position. A guy that's a five-star on Rivals, a guy that's a top 50 recruit on other sites. So it really wasn't that big of a miss. You still got an elite linebacker in that class. All you were trying to do at that point in the recruiting class was take the best guy available in one month. Look, I get it. A lot of us have Eminem PTSD, McElwain and Mullen PTSD, for you guys out there that don't know what that means. We've been through head coaches. We've seen the same song and dance, but you know, you always have to give a new head coach a chance. Has he swung and missed? Sure, absolutely. But has he batted a .000 average? No. And I'll leave you guys with this. I mean, if we can't sign 25 good players at the University of Florida, then you're going to be looking for a new coach. So uh, we're going to go, we've got a plan and we're going to go execute our plan. Billy Napier has a plan. (laughs) And that's all I'll leave you with. So for all the folks worried right now, I I hope I was able to at least alleviate some of the angst of recruiting thus far. So, but I mean, that was fun, man. I actually got through all your comments and I want to do an interactive episode for you folks every month or so to get you guys more involved. And if you'd like your voice to be heard on the podcast, and I think I've only mentioned this once and I think it was on my first podcast, but I'll go ahead and mention it one more time because I haven't really even put that out there that much. If you go to gettingswamp.com, there's a microphone icon in the bottom corner that allows you to record a voice memo. It's a cir- it's an orange circle with a microphone in it. If you'd like your you know, comment or question or whatever you have to say in audio format on this podcast, I will play it for you. Uh, kind of like when callers call into the Fine Bomb Show, except you got to keep it clean for the most part. If you curse, fine, but I'll have to bleep out for, you know, for the viewers. But uh, if you want to leave a voice memo, it's there. It's on the site. So, uh, But fun segment here with you folks. And speaking of fun, I got to catch up with Lorenzo Lingard. We will have that interview on the second part of Getting Swamped coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Wood Carving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. 
NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamped today, a man who is a blazer and also his own towing service, if you've ever seen him dragging a, a truck on a video out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lorenzo Lingard joins me here on Getting Swamped, man. How's your, uh, how's your Sunday going so far, man? Pretty good, man. I'm excited to see a couple of my guys go to the league, man. So, yeah. Yeah, I was about to ask so you. Good. I was about to ask you about that, man. How How is it like, man, to, to uh, share a locker room with those guys and then watch them go into the draft and then uh, go to the NFL? It's crazy because, like, uh, this being my fifth season, you know, I've seen a lot of that. So it's like, man, like, okay, this year, next year, I'll be next. So it's like, like, man, like it happened so fast. So, you know, it's just – it's encouraging at the same time. But then also it's kind of like, you know, kind of nervous. But, you know, it's just – yeah, it feels good overall, though. Yeah, I mean, you've been a patient man. I mean, you, ever since transferring here to Florida, I mean, you've had, got to see the likes of you, – you got to see a little bit of Michael Pirine, didn't you, before you got here? No. No, okay. So it was more of like Pierce, Naquan, uh, Malik Davis, those guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was cool to see them get drafted yesterday. I think Pierce, he went to the Texans. I was out doing yard work. All right. Uh, Malik Davis, where he went to – was Cowboys. It? Cowboys, yeah, that's right. And then yeah, – They're both in Texas. Yeah, I know. So they're close to each other. So yeah. it's cool to see. And then obviously you have Kyer Kyer Elam getting drafted in the first round there, going to the Bills. Uh, mm-hmm. Good to see all around. You know Zachary Carter getting drafted third round there. Good to see all around that some of the guys that that played last year, especially the guys that you shared a locker room with, going and make it to the big times. That's the ultimate goal of just about every college football player. Right. Yeah. Now. You, you know, you came from University High School in Orange City, uh, and actually you were averaging 130 rushing yards per game, which is ridiculous. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. T- uh, tell me what it was like being there, man, at that high school back then. Um, it was it was hard work. You know, we had some great coaches, Coach Kells. You know, we had Coach Roberts, my uncle, Coach Rago. Had a lot of great players. You know, we pretty much worked hard every day at practice. So, I mean, coming through there playing against – Tough schools like you got your mainland, got your the land bulldogs, your Sanford Seminole. Like like people think that you know the teams that, that they were not good, but they were really good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that was actually tough competition there. Any place I would say about any part of the state of Florida is probably a tough competition anyway. Right. <laughs> right. They they raised some football players down in Florida. I know that for for a fact. Right. Um, did you have any like fun or fond memories from your times there at that high school? Yeah, I, like I would say my freshman year, just coming in as a freshman and and playing varsity right away. That's like I would say that team right there is what is what made me the player that I was coming in. Mm-hmm. Hard practices, you know, talented guys. You know, we had a guy uh, Jeremy Diaz. You know, he was he was crazy, like a crazy crazy athlete. You know, he was very motivated to me, and we just had some great guys on that on that unit my freshman year. Yeah, you still keep in touch with any of those guys? Maybe some of your coaches. Oh yeah, yeah. You still talk to them? Yeah, yeah. yeah I see. Mm-hmm. Everybody. I see, um, you've done some track and field too, correct? When you were over there back in the day, um, you know, I had oh, team. Yeah. I had team sports with the track team. I wasn't on the track team. I was probably way never, probably never even as fast as you were. I was very much uh-huh. a smaller guy though back then too. I, you know, I did a little bit of track with those guys, but I really wanted to know what what is the fastest hundred meter time you ran. Hundred meter, I think, was a ten six nine. I didn't, Woo. I didn't run the hundred as my main event, uh-huh. and then I ran that time my junior year because my senior year I didn't run because I had left to go to college early, mm-hmm. which was you know kind of like a risky move, but uh, yeah. So a ten six nine that okay. my junior year. What was, what was your main thing that you ran in? Was it um... the one ten hurdles and the three hundred hurdles? Do you remember your times from back then doing that or no? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't remember. 
they used to uh, they used to give me my times when I would do it in team sports. We'd have the coaches out there and the stopwatches, but I guarantee you, I'd never even touch ten seconds in a hundred meters. <laughs> <laughs> I was far from that. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's blazing, man. Ten seconds, I, that's crazy. I, I don't know if I could ever achieve that being even one hundred and twenty pounds. So, for you being heavier, person <laughs> like that to achieve that, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. All right, segueing from that a little bit. I mean, you get recruited. You eventually sign with Miami. Uh, you had a few right. se- you had a few setbacks there. Uh, 2018, you went down the season-ending knee injury early in the season. Came back mm-hmm. about midway through 2019, and uh, you know you had a family setback. And if you don't want to get into that much detail, I, I understand that. That's fine. Right. Uh, but can you at least take me back through what was going through your mind and your thought process at that point? Uh, at which point, when I got hurt, or from that whole two-year span, like yeah, just that two-year span, I guess. Oh, I got hurt when I was actually in the rotation to uh, to play. Um, I can't I can't remember the game, but I was actually I was with the ones when I got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just going all out, like always, going super hard. Had a freak injury, and then from there, you know, the uh, other rehab process started. I had a great great physical therapist, um, Jeffrey Rees at Miami. This man was on me every day. Man, we worked from. Sun up, the sun down. I'm like, it was crazy. So uh, I give thanks to him for getting me back to 100%. So, um, but yeah, like during that time, uh, it was pretty much, it was dark for like a, a month or two. And then, you know, I, um, once I started seeing improvements, I actually felt better about it. And then uh, we had the coaching change. Uh, Diaz came in mm-hmm. and I wasn't pretty much 100%, but towards the end of the season, you know, I was able to, to get on special teams, run down, and do a little bit. And then from there, that was when I made my decision to, to leave. So, you know, things there didn't seem, seem all right. And then next thing you know, they had a coaching change again. So, so yeah. So, uh, what ultimately, uh, you know, made you decide to come to the University of Florida over, I guess, when you transferred? So, I, so I had a medical hardship with my dad. Yeah. Um, with, with his situation, and luckily I, I I did come down because we had COVID and then that whole thing happened, and then he ended up being sick, so I had to rush over to him, which was convenient at the time with me being close. So came home with the hardship with my dad and his health. Um, I seen him feel a lot better with me being closer to home. Um, Florida, I just knew that it was going to be a tough school to come to. And, you know, it, it's a lot of pressure being a Gator with the guys that come through here and what they do and whatnot. So I was like, man, I'm going to go there. It ain't going to be easy. But I know with it not being easy, I'm going to be the best player that I can be. And, I'm, and I'll get better every day. And that's pretty much what's happening. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and I know a lot of a lot of guys that I talk to just as a fan, they're just like, when are we going to see Lingard? <laughs> I want to see Lingard. Mm-hmm. It was like, we want to see Lingard now, especially after last year. We, we you know, after that whole season happened, it, you know, some of these guys go in the draft. We were so pumped to see Lingard out there. We, you know, we finally get to see you out there in the spring game a little bit, you and Bowman right. and some of the other guys. And uh, it was just really cool to see that somebody, you know, you came into the University of Florida, a highly regarded five-star prospect. And uh, there was, I mean, there was a lot of running backs in front of you at the time. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it appears Great, too. Davis, Naquan, he's, he's still there. He's nursing from an injury now. Uh, you know, obviously you knew that coming into the program. Uh, you Did you know that you would potentially might have to wait behind some of those more established guys in that offense? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I knew, but like, I, I just knew that with the work that I'll be putting in every day at practice, that even though I didn't get my shot, that... Uh, basically that I'll be getting better, better in myself as a player. So when I do get my shot, I'll be ready. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and last year, you know, when we saw the running backs, uh, there was quite a running back rotation there uh, between Pierce, Davis, uh, Naquan. Uh, they had a, about seven to eight carriers per game between each of them. Uh, give, me yeah, your, yeah. Give, give me your take real quick. Did you like that running back rotation? No. Nah, so, I mean, none of us really did. But in a, but um those guys ended up staying healthy. Um with the system now, I mean I'm I mean we get about fifteen, fifteen, almost twenty carries. So, you know so the yards, you know, they increase, our role is bigger. Um uh, yeah, but that, that whole rotation was kinda weird because like, you know, a guy would a guy would earn their uh earn their run downfield and then get taken out. I mean, but here, I mean, 
uh, basically with this staff, they don't do that. So, I mean, so Coach Luke says that we have our one shot. You know, mm. we uh, bust a big run, we get down there. You got one more shot uh, to make it, but if you don't, then you get out. But at least, at least we get a shot to score if we're still in. And that's actually a good idea because that even makes you want to score on the next play right. because you're just like, man, they're <laughs> right. gonna take me out if I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, as a fan, you talk about that running back rotation that frustrated me a little bit as a fan because somebody would have the hot hand, and there was, all three of those guys were good. But somebody would have the hot hand yeah. and they would take him out. And I'm like, why did they take him out? <laughs> he was doing so good. So yeah. as a fan, too, that kind of frustrated a lot of people. But, uh, I mean, overall, man, just, uh, you know, you go back to the Alabama game. I mean, Daquan, Davis, Pierce, they were all making plays. So it's like right. no matter who they put in there, it just seemed like they were making plays. So, you know, segueing from that, uh, who did you really learn the most from that in that running back stable? I say all of them pretty much. Yeah. Everybody. It wasn't a day where, you know, I could ask a question and anybody wouldn't like uh, like uh neither like neither of those guys would help me out. So all those guys helped me out every day and I pretty much learned everything from all of Naquan, Malik, you know, all those guys. Yeah. And as I said, you've been patient, man, and uh, that's patience is a virtue. That's a, that's that's a good quote that I've heard a lot right here recently is patience mm-hmm. is a virtue and finally you get your time now to be able to uh actually get maybe more than 7 to 8 carries a game. So All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I do ask this question a lot to everybody. Um I ask it to everybody that I interview um you know coming in meeting coach Napier and some of the coaching staff. What was that like for the first time when you met them? Uh it's kind of well during my process and over the years, and me being in college, it's, it's like, okay, new stuff. Oh, man, got to go through the whole again. military feeling again and all <laughs> this, all this uh, big chest boasting and stuff like that. But, no, nah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, these guys came in. They were humble. They weren't lying about the work we had to put in. Cause it was yeah. Like, you know, most coaches go, oh, yeah, it's going to be tough. You got to do this, do that. Man, and they weren't lying. So, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a flaw in their actions yet, and it, and it seems like each day I'm around that staff, I get better, I feel more comfortable around those guys, and I'm actually learning a lot from them. Um, uh, I, I recently went in to see Coach Napier after our own our spring our spring uh overview, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, I don't know. So like over the years, I like I just wanted to like read what the coaches read and see and see like what kind of books they, that they read. So I asked Coach Napier if I can do that, and he was all for it. So pretty much um, last week I got my books, and he recommended me these these uh, these two good books. One was the, the Little Book of Talent, 52 Tips for Improving Your Skills. And over the years, I kind of, like, seen this book, and, and I was like, okay, it stands out to me, but, like, I never got to it. So it's kind of crazy how this year, you know, Coach Napier hands me this book and I'm actually learning a lot from it. And now I'm like, I like have a plan of this off season of what I'm going to do. That's awesome, man. That, that's pretty cool. What's it called again? It's 52. The Little Book of Talent, 52 Tips for Improving Your Skills by Daniel Cawley. I'm going to have to look that up and see what that's yeah. all about. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, you know, you, you have Billy Napier does come in, and he has, he's very, you know, he's got a big structure that he does everything with. You know, he has his phases, one, two, and three. And I've heard from some of the guys, as you just said here, it was pretty difficult, you know, I mean, going yeah. through those phases. That's <laughs> um, crazy. Have you ever had a head coach like that that's that structured as Billy Napier? I don't think so. No. <laughs> How hard yeah. was it? it? Was any of those phases just like grueling and just? Yeah, I mean – so basically, we ran a lot at Miami, uh-huh. and then we ran a lot here. We ran a run, so I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. And they went line, man. We running curves on a football field like it's track. <laughs> so yeah. it was tough. So they they kind of burn you guys out then, right? They try to push you way, guys. Yeah. And then there's no water, so like we don't get water to like <laughs> during oh, the run. But oh, like no. by halftime, we get to drink water. So it's like. And so, like, it basically keeps us in shape, you know, mm-hmm. and it and it keeps our mind focused on the task. 
Yeah, because I guess it's sometimes in game time situations, if you're out there on the field for a long time, you're not be you're not able to go to the sideline and get Gatorade or anything like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of makes a little bit of sense. So he's kind of kind of training you guys on like maybe those long drives that you have in a game that's every like five, ten yards first downs instead of like one of those ones where it's just a complete bomb down the field and you score in like a minute. You got those long drives that are like ten and twelve minutes and you're wearing exactly. down the other team's defense while you're scoring. So I, I, I get why he does that. That's pretty interesting. That's cool. Um right. Jabbar Jaluk, he's coached many fantastic running backs in the past, especially in Louisiana. Uh, what is different about Jaluk from maybe some of the running back coaches that you've had in the past? He allows me to, to play like my like my old self. Um, a lot of coaches mm-hmm. said that I was too fast, um, that I was too fast on making reads, and I was too fast hitting the hole, but that's what they like. So mm-hmm. it's more comfortable for me. And even so during this season, or not this season, but during this past spring, I was kind of too slow and too hesitant on on some of the runs. So by him, you know, allowing me to make quick decisions and plant my foot and get vertical as fast as I can really helped me and made me feel like, you know, like I was the old me again. Is that like part of some of the technique he's taught you in your game? Has he taught you anything that you've maybe not have used before in the past to like improve your game? Um. Not really. It's just that he's uh, like he allows me to be me, right? And if a, yeah, so basically, and if a player is comfortable with being himself playing, you know, they're going to get the most out of it. That yeah, and that I guess that also avoids like getting penalized and stuff like that. If you're not comfortable right. with something and you're confused, then you maybe jump when you're not supposed to, and then it causes like a right. five yard penalty, and then everybody's like, "What did you do?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I get that. All right, man, I'm, I'm going to ask a little bit of, I guess, maybe not related to football, maybe a little bit of related to football questions here. But, uh, you know, I've seen you pull trucks, obviously, very heavy objects. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that's left on the bucket list for you uh, as far as pulling anything? Uh, um, I, I might I might pull Coach Napier's uh, golf cart, his little <laughs> off-road. You're going to wait till he's in side it? Side by side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do that this offseason. Yeah. Um, as far as anything goes, I don't know. I might, I might pull a truck again. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to me, so, so yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that video. I was like, well, it looks like he recovered from injury pretty well. <laughs> He's pulling a truck. So, yeah. uh, do you ever watch any of those strongman competitions back in the day? Or oh, yeah. yeah, all the time. Did you have like a me favorite? Yeah, where they're like throwing the big heavy barrels over the wall, and then they they're picking up the boulders. Did you have like a, a favorite strongman competition guy? I didn't so like I don't know like the guys personally, but um I like uh, I guess the most popular one was the guy uh, what's his name Thor his nickname was Thor. So, oh yeah, I know you're talking the about. Big, yeah, the big tall Slavic guy I think with the uh, the bald head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah him. Uh, so I actually seen him pull a, a plane and I was like, what? So <laughs> oh, so you're gonna try yeah. to do that now, right? You're pull a plane. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my little. Genetic makeup's not made for all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thor's a big dude, man, and he's been in a couple movies too. So uh, that looks like a guy oh, you wouldn't yeah. want to mess with. <laughs> right. <laughs> and since we're on that subject, uh, who's the strongest guy on the team as far as like bench, squat, maybe power clean? So power clean, uh, big dash. Uh, I know me, Dean, Brandon Cox, um, Miller, mm-hmm. Dexter. We all fall, uh, fall under the um, in that three fifteen, three twenty category of power clean. My my uh bench was four oh five. Dean hit that also. Brandon Cox hit that also. I'm I'm sure Dex hit that. So pretty much like like us, like the solid eight on the team. Uh, Dexter, me, Dean, Cox, Miller, Big Dad, you know. We're pretty much strong. So those are like the the strongest of the strong of the whole bunch then. Yeah, real strong. <laughs> so you're around these guys a lot, but uh, obviously you follow them on Twitter too. Uh, who's the best to follow on Twitter and why? Um, so, uh, I'll say... I like following you because you're funny. So maybe maybe it's yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I'm like, I'm like, it's just not getting back into Twitter. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen too much action, but I heard Dexter has a good, a good following. 
Yeah, Dexter, he said some funny stuff too, man. I, I've it, <laughs> it's it's funnier when a player says something because you don't expect it, so you're just like it's more of a shock factor when somebody says something like that. So all the fans are just get get all up in arms and they start laughing and stuff. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's a video of you out there. Uh, I actually seen it on Barstool, Florida. It's of you arm wrestling a fan after a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who would win in an arm wrestling competition on your team? I say. If it's not Dean, like, okay, like, it has to be skill. So, either skill, big skill, O-line. O-line, uh, well, like, lineman-wise, I would say probably Dexter. Um, yeah. if, if you had to go big skill. Um, I like I like Ventrell Miller. So, we're going to see. And then skill-wise, probably, like, me or Dean out, out of those two. So we're going to see an arm wrestling competition between you, Dean, Dexter, and, uh, you know, Ventral Miller? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be floating around at some point, right? <laughs> that's what the fans want, yeah. <laughs> All right, here. Last last fun question, man. And I ask this to every athlete I have on here. Uh, what does Lorenzo Lingard do on his off time besides pulling massive heavy objects? I like to go fishing. Fishing. That's what Summerall like, said, too. I like I like fishing. Um, I used to ride um, my dirt bike a lot, ATVs, but then I had to like kind of like let that go a little bit, being that you know uh, having an important um, an important role. So I say pretty much fishing on um, the beach. Uh, I like to go in the woods a little bit. Um, I just recently hog hunted before the season with um, with some guys. So pretty much all outdoor stuff. Do you like doing like any kind of mudding? Like I used to have a Jeep. I had a Jeep Wrangler and I used to go mudding all the time. You ever done any of that? I actually want to get a truck or a Jeep and I thought about that. But yeah, uh, yeah I went a couple of times on um, last time. I, um, so like last time I went mudding, mudding was when I had my little 50 CC uh, four wheeler. Yeah. And that was like in eighth grade. And we had went down to the little uh, sinkhole by my house and like it was all muddy and whatnot. So like I was in there on that. And then recently, yesterday, we went um, mudding back home. Well, like, not mudding, but, like, like, we went shooting at the range. And then to get to the uh, the property, it was, like, mud holes everywhere. So so his truck was, like, at the doors, almost at the at the window. <laughs> That's where you got to get a snorkel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, man. I used to have a Jeep. And you got to be careful, too, man, because some of those those puddles, they get deep. And uh, you, you might yeah, have caught, cost yourself some money. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, my friend was telling me that you know off to the side is where like people try to stay on yeah so like you know keep grip or whatnot so then he was telling me he was like, oh watch out your side is going to drop i didn't believe it man it was like a two inch drop i'm like man i'm like man what's going on he was like yeah man god guys come out here and just do burnouts and and make all kind of holes <laughs> They call it good, clean fun, but when you get down to the nitty gritty, you're you're dirty at the end, so it's not really as clean. Yeah, I'll send you a video. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was fun having you on, man. I, I I know personally, you know, I've been itching to see you here on the football field, and I know a lot of fans, you know, Florida Gator fans have as well. You got anything else to say uh, before we end, man? Uh, I'm excited to have this this staff here this year. Um. I'm looking forward to having a great season, a great season with my guys, my teammates, uh, and I can't wait to have a, a winning, successful season with every Gator fan showing up. Go get That's right. Take it to Utah, right? Oh, yeah. Take it to Utah <laughs> in the swamp. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Lorenzo. Thank you for joining me on Getting Swamped, and send me that video, man. I want to look at it. All right. All right, man. All right, man, Lorenzo Lingard there, it, you know, bringing back up some memories of when I was like 18 to 20 to 21, going out budding, going off-roading, except we got in a little trouble when we did that when we were young. You know, Lorenzo obviously staying out of trouble, doing the right thing, but just bringing up some really fond memories of, uh, you know, back when I was a kid. You know, you learn that there's definitely going to be more carries for running backs per season, too. We all saw the running back rotation last year. Nobody liked that whatsoever from a fan standpoint. I could imagine from a player standpoint, but won't be seeing that this year. Plenty of carries for the running backs. And uh, Coach is also setting the challenges to the running backs as well. You know, after a big long run in the red zone, you heard Lingard say, if you don't score after that big run, in comes someone else to get the score. So, you know, the staff challenging the running backs here a little bit by committee 
uh, there to get in the end zone. Uh, you also heard him talk about Napier a little bit, talking about how humble he was coming in and, and, and honest and not trying to stick out his chest and, as he said, be military style. Uh, and you heard that too, and not just from him, but from other players as well. You even heard Napier say in, in one of his opening press conferences that he told the players he knew he had to earn their trust as much as they had to earn his. So uh, just a very humble approach from a coach coming into the program. He also said that Napier, after the Phase 3 overview, he was reading a few books and asked him if he could look at it, and he uh, recommended some books to him. Uh, one of them was The Little Book of Talent, 52 Tips for Improving Your Skills by Daniel Coyle. Actually, I might pick that up and give it a read, to be honest. If you go on Amazon, it's about 13 bucks for the book, so I might actually buy that and uh, give it a read, man. Uh, just interesting. I mean, it's good to see a head coach come in and really gravitate towards his players you know, show that he's honest. It shows that he cares for his players. And he, you know, the way he does his own job as a head coach is just really, you know, real good insight here from Lingard here. And I can't wait to finally, finally get to see him on the field for his turn wearing that number 21 jersey. Amazing guy, man. Amazing talent. Just an overall amazing personality. I mean, you're talking about a guy that went to the University of Miami as a highly regarded five-star went through a, a serious injury, recovered, came back, you know, had the family issues that he kind of talked about on the podcast. It, new coaching staff comes in, he transfers, knows he's probably going to have to wait behind some guys that were more established in that offense, but really had a great attitude about everything. You've never really heard Lorenzo Lingard complain, always kept his head down, always worked, and, you know, he's a funny guy, too. He's got a great personality, just an overall great person in general so I, I'm really a big fan of Lorenzo Lingard and hopefully one day we will see Lorenzo Lingard's name being called in that NFL draft and hopefully it's in that first round because that'll make me a proud Gator just seeing that but folks that'll wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped you can follow me on Twitter at Getting Swamped and you can follow the podcast page on Twitter at Swamp Podcast and the YouTube page as well if you prefer YouTube as a platform. And once I get set up for video, I'll be posting more videos when I get a chance. So just keep in touch with that YouTube channel as well because I really want to get more in-depth in statistics and all that and post some videos. So I'll be doing that a little bit later once I get set up for all that. Uh, special shout-out there to the Gator Collective. Uh, if it wasn't for them and their support, I wouldn't be able to get these fantastic interviews with these players. And for all your donations, too, that help the Gator Collective, uh, special shout-out to you guys, man. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to hear these kind of interviews on a podcast like this, if it wasn't for you guys giving in the donations and, and you know, helping these student athletes out in their daily lives as a, just a college athlete and a kid just going to college, going to school. So shout out to you guys. And one more special shout out to all the fans who listen, subscribe, gave me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And just this past week, I ranked number 71 in football podcasts across the nation. Broke my highest amount of downloads this week. So I have to give you guys a round of applause here. There you go. That's for you guys for uh, getting me ranked so high up there in the, in the food chain on football podcast on uh, on Apple. So for that, I will be doing a giveaway here soon. Right, not right now. It'll be announced on my Twitter page a little bit later in the weeks to come. So if you don't follow my Twitter page, just follow at Swamp Podcast on Twitter. You're automatically in, and I will follow you back, and uh, you, you'll be in the contest. But that's for later. So stay tuned. Saddle up for some wild recruiting months in May, June, and July. But folks, that'll wrap it up. For this episode of Getting Swapped, your latest in football, statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swapped.